Let's just come before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we've just sung those words. Purify my heart. Let me be ready to do your will. And how does that happen, Lord? It happens through the refiner's fire. Lord, with the events of this past week, we recognize your hand. The hand of Almighty God, the creator of all the universe. Lord, to you it wasn't an earthquake. It was nothing. Because you are almighty. And yet, Lord, you send us these things to remind us of you. If we are believers here today, Lord, may we be again reminded of our immortality in eternity. But that while we live here on this earth, we are to live it for you. Wake us up from our slumbers, from our sleep. May we serve you with all the energy we have. Lord, as we open your word now, I pray, Lord, that you would make it alive to each one here. Speak your word, Lord. Show us what you would have us learn today so that we can be obedient in this week. Do your work through your Holy Spirit who makes these things alive in us. We know you are right here with us, our God. Do your work, I pray. Amen. Alright, uh, black hands up please. If you were ready for the earthquake at 3 minutes past 12 on Sunday night, on Monday morning. Put up your hands please. Who was up sitting waiting for it? <laughs> Liars, all of you. <laughs> the truth is, no one expected it. Scientists can predict these things. They can say we're going to have some major ones, but they cannot put a date and a minute on it. And the truth we're going to see from God's Word this morning is the coming of the Son of Man is going to be as quick as that earthquake happened and as unexpected as it happened. We will think we're still in bed and sleeping and then the trumpets are going to sound. And Jesus Christ will appear. It's going to be like this. If you were ready for that earthquake on Monday morning, on Monday morning, then you don't need to prepare for Jesus Christ. But if you weren't, each of us has to be ready. As we look at this passage this morning, that is the framework around the passage. If you think back to a couple of sermons ago, we've been looking at Luke chapter 21 and how Jesus has been speaking about the end times, but also to his disciples, what they would still have to go through when Jerusalem fell. 
And so we've come through that now. And Jerusalem has indeed fallen in history. And the next great event that will happen is Jesus Christ will reappear. According to the plain reading of Scripture, He will reappear. Are we ready? You're going to hear that a few times this morning. But I hope it sinks in somewhere. Are you ready for His reappearing? And by ready I mean, is your heart in a daily relationship with Him? Because if you're not in a daily relationship with Jesus Christ Himself, then you are not yet ready for the Son of Man to reappear. You need to meet with Him. Let's look at this passage. Luke chapter 21 and verses 29 to 38. It couldn't be more clear than this picture that Jesus paints. Luke chapter 21 Verse 29 to 38. I've got my large print Bible here too, so it really has to come out clear. Jesus told them a parable. What is a parable? It's a picture with a lesson. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and you know that summer is already near. Now that's not hard, is it? I'm not even a gardener and I know that. Carry on, verse 31. So also, when you see these things taking place, what he's just described, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now, what's the application? Next verses, verse 34. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. If you're sitting here this morning, there's your verse. But stay awake at all times praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And then in this line of the story that Luke is telling, verse 37, And every day Jesus was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So what's Scripture got to say to us this morning? I'm going to illustrate it. This is my official uniform when earthquakes happen and I'm at church. Right? I feel very important now. I look very stupid because it's not fitting properly. Thank you, Dave. When earthquakes happen, they are supposedly government officials who should be ready for these things and alert the population that something's gone wrong and what they're going to do about it. The emergency services. And they've got a whole system that they use called LERTCONS. And I, the, the summary for, uh, sorry, the, the full word for LERTCONS is alert condition. And they rate them from alert condition 1, which is most serious, like we had in Kaikoura, to alert condition 5, or alert con 5, which is life in general as we know it, with nothing happening much. 
Kiwi life is LertCon 5. So we're always on LertCon 5 unless something happens. So uh, let's say there's a bit of a, a jolt in, in, in uh, Wellington, because that's obvious. Then it might go up to LertCon 4 or LertCon 3, depending on the seriousness, but it hasn't kind of affected everyone. Lives aren't necessarily in danger. But when there's a national disaster, it goes up to LertCon 1, the most alert condition. The military use DEFCONs, defence conditions, for the seriousness of what defence must be put into place. It's just a strategy that people in leadership use to know how to respond to situations. So we're going to look at this, these LERTCONs and possibly how they can help us to understand what Jesus is saying here. Before we do that, I want us to look at another passage which is going to help us. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read through this passage because it tells us a little bit more about this LERTCON condition that we could find ourselves in. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 to 51. Matthew 24, verse 36 to 51. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Interesting verse. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. In other words, life was just carrying on as normal. They saw this mad guy building his boat in the middle of dry land. But life just went on as normal. And then on a day it changed. And they were unaware, verse 39, until the flood came and swept them all away so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Logical, right? Therefore, verse 44, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will, be set, he will set him over all his positions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of the servants will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does God's word say about the state of readiness that we are to be in? This Lertcon 1 that he calls us to. He tells us this parable. It's a really simple parable. In other words, nothing complicated. It's a tree and some buds. Verse 29. That people would have been walking past fig trees all their lives as people living in Israel. And so Jesus takes a simple picture of a tree and he says to them, 
Look at the fig tree and all the trees. Now, to stop there. The fig tree was often referred to as the nation of Israel. And to any Jew listening to, look at the fig tree, they would have thought, oh, us. But no, Jesus said, and all the trees. So it's all people, he's saying. It's not just you Jews. This applies to everyone. You all need to take note of the fig tree. And what does he say about the fig tree? He says, as soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and you know the summer is already near. Now, that's not hard. Jesus says, you see, fig trees, fig leaf, sorry, fig tree in bloom. These um, buds are coming out. And you know, when you see the buds coming out, summer is near. That's the logical deduction. Not hard. No one in their right mind, if they knew anything botanical, would say, oh, what if it's going to be a hard winter? Or some other illogical conclusion. It's a simple conclusion. When you see these buds budding, summer is near. We know it. So you see, come to the right conclusion. In other words, says Jesus, when you see the evidence in front of us, in front of you, you know and you make the correct deduction. So how does he apply that now? What's the lesson? Verse 31. So also, when you see these things taking place, what are these things? Well, we read about those. Verse 25. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, the stress of nations, perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. Alright, so when he says, when you see these things happening, just like in the lesson of the fig tree, make the right deduction. What is the right deduction, says Jesus? When you see these things coming, then you know the Son of Man is near. In other words, when you see these things, know. Now I'm over-stressing it because it's really important. Because we've had X number of years since then. Other things have happened. We should know even better than the disciples of that day that the Son of Man is near. When you see these things, no. Make the right deduction. Don't be like agnostics or atheists or good Kiwis who come to the wrong conclusion. They don't want to know that Jesus Christ is near. God has made it plain. He says it all over his word. I've made it plain that I am God and that people are to come to me and that the only way of salvation is through my son, Jesus Christ. I've put believers on this earth. They've been speaking out the message, hopefully. People need to know. And yet people see these things and they come to the wrong conclusion. Why? Because they've been deluded by the prince of darkness. Satan is keeping them from understanding properly. And if you do not yet know Jesus Christ here, I'm speaking about you this morning. You are deluded by Him. Jesus has made these things plain in His Word. He's the creator of all human beings. We need to listen to Him and make the right conclusion. He is near. I need to be in a good relationship with Him. His coming is imminent, He says, verse 32. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Now there's some people who say, well, well, Jesus was speaking about them, those days. Everything was going to happen then. 
But it hasn't. So what's happening? Well, actually, he wasn't speaking about them. When Jesus says this generation, he's always speaking about unbelievers. Those who have seen all these things and through the generations they have not believed. So when he says this generation, and Luke quotes him at that, he's speaking about our times now too. Because there are still some of this generation around now who still do not believe. They will always be there until the day of Christ's return. They will be there and you might be one of those. You see, Jesus is saying, soon many of you, my disciples, will, will see me. And you'll see what I'm going to go through. You're going to see me going through the pinnacle of God's plan of salvation to men. You're going to see me crucified on a cross. You're going to see me three days later rise again from the dead. And then you will see me ascend into the heavens. You will see these things. And you will believe. But others will see these things and not believe. This generation will see these things happen. God's plan in action. And they will still not believe. Until I come again. And then he says in verse 33, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now that's very contra our instincts, isn't it? Because to us, the heavens and the earth are the things that seem permanent. I mean, who gets up in the morning and thinks there's no more sky or heavens? Where's the earth gone? We don't think like that. For us, those are the permanent things. When people say things to us, those things will just pass away, right? Many historians over the years, many political leaders have said things, they've gone. No one even remembers what they said. But Jesus says the opposite. He says, my words are the intransient things, the things that do not change. Heavens and earth, the things that are to you permanent, will pass away. In other words, my words are permanent as opposed to heaven and earth, which will be gone. So listen to my words. My prophecies will happen, says the Lord. No one knows when I will come again. I don't know, but my Father does. He says in Matthew 24. So we need to pay attention. We need to be in Lutcon 1 condition for the coming of the Son of Man because the signs are there and if we make the right conclusion, we will be ready. But are we? And that's where the rest of the verses come from, verses 34 to 36. How do we get ourselves ready? How do we stay ready? How do we stay in Lutcon 1 condition? Because sometimes when I look at my life, I'm afraid to say it's not on Lutcon 1, I'm on Lutcon 5. I just cruise through. Hardly think of the Lord in a day. Am I the only one? So Jesus gives us these really practical lessons. We can't get more practical than what he brings here. This is what he says. There are five things for us to take note of here. First one is this, verse 34. He says, be on your guard. In other words, Lutcon 1. Be on your guard. Okay. Against what? Satan? Yes. False teachers? Yes, earlier when he was speaking, yes, but not right here. What is he saying? There's a very specific thing he points to. He says, be on your guard, lest your hearts be weighed down. Oh, okay. 
So my heart is going to get weighed down with something and I've got to watch for that because that's going to have some effect in the way that I'm not going to be ready. Alright, so let's look at it then. How can my heart get weighed down? Or the word used in the original is burdened, to get pulled down. How can my heart get pulled down and how can I be distracted by my heart so that I don't expect his coming? He says, don't get weighed down by dissipation. Now, we don't use that word much anymore these days, although much of it happens. It's just called other things. In the old English, it was called carousing. Remember in your earlier years, ladies and gentlemen, there was a lot of carousing happening and you might even have participated lustily. But no, it's called partying these days. Letting the hair down. Just letting it all out. No control. Giving in to my senses the sensual pleasures of life, overindulgence in these things. He's not just talking sex here, by the way. He's talking about all these other things that we give ourselves to, the God of indulgence, the God of sensual pleasures. Turn on your television set, you'll see it all over the place. Walk around town at night, you'll hear it all over the place. You'll see the effects in the street. He's speaking to believers here, by the way. Because we are tempted in these things too. So that's one thing that can weigh my heart down. The next thing is drunkenness. The misuse of alcohol. It's a scourge of our New Zealand society now, isn't it? Police struggle with it 24-7. There's pressure on the church in this regard, especially our young people when they attend parties of fellow young people, come and get drunk with us. Seems to be all people think of. We're going to get drunk as soon as possible. Another thing which can weigh us down, and if you can't put up your hand here and say you're guilty to this, you can't be living. So check your pulse. The worries of this life, the cares of this life, come on. Put up your hand if you're not worried or if you haven't been worried in your lifetime by the cares of this life. We all do it, you see. We take our eyes off our God and we put them on the waves around us. And we start worrying about my children. Are they going to get jobs one day? Are they going to get the right partner in life? Am I going to be able to continue with my job? Or is it going to finish before I'm 65 and reach the golden age of retirement? the worries, the cares of this life, those everyday matters which weigh us down, which take up our minds, which concern us, which fill our minds and weigh us down. He says those things will, will cause that you are not on your guard for the Son of Man to come. Your attention will be diverted, you see. Now you say, come on, Calvin, I'm not superhuman, I'm, I'm going to worry about life. Well, the Lord tells us what to do with those things. Turn with me. We were reading Philippians this morning. You might as well go there again. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. What does he say? What must we do with our cares and our worries? The Bible has an answer. It always has an answer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. Beautiful words. Throughout the cares of your worries and the worries of life, what should you do? Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Ah, oh, come on, Calvin. That's sounding so Christian. 
I know, but God says so. Doesn't mean I walk around with a supercilious grin on my face. I'm happy. It's rejoicing in my heart because of who God is and whose hands I am in through my cares and my worries. I can rejoice in the Lord, you see. He is the unchanging God, isn't He? He's not affected by cares and worries. He's not affected by earthquakes. I can rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now, we need to work on that one, all of us. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about most things. My Bible is an ESV. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, anything, everything, by prayer and supplication, that means coming with a humble heart before the Lord, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And there will be a result, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's that word again. It will guard our hearts. So he's saying, stay alert. Don't let your hearts be weighed down by anything. Rather, bring that care and concern to me, the everlasting God, so that you can guard your heart. Because it will be me guarding your heart through you. Because it's my peace I will give you. You see? Fantastic stuff. And if you haven't got that yet, I'll take us to another passage. First Peter chapter 5. Turn with me if you would. First Peter chapter 5 verse 67. First Peter chapter 5 verse 67. This is how we take our cares to the Lord. It starts with a humble heart, not a weighed down one. A humble heart. A humble heart means I've put it under God's care. A weighed down heart means I'm carrying it myself. He says, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you or lift you up. How do we do that? Verse 7, Casting all your anxieties on Him. Because, here's the motivation, He cares for you. Our great almighty God loves us and cares for us. Why would we not come? It's because we've got selfish reasons. There's an idol in our heart of me. I can do this. He says, no, don't let your heart be weighed down. Come to me, bring it to me, and let not your heart distract you from the coming again of the Son of Man. Because if you do, you're going to get Caught unawares by that day. And every time you see that phrase, that day, when Christ is speaking about it, He's speaking about the day of His return. If you are weighed down, you will be caught unawares by that day. Like people fall into a trap. Who walks into a trap if you're expecting it? Only if you're really sick. I mean, if you see a big trap out there, who's going to go, oh yeah, here's the trap. Sick. No one does that. A trap works because people don't expect it, right? You're walking along and, oh, what's happened? I'm in a trap. 
not quite like that, there's more pain involved. But the Lord says, if we don't keep our hearts under His almighty hand, we will be caught unawares, because our minds and our hearts will be distracted from what we are supposed to be looking at. Plain and simple lesson. And then, that passage we read earlier, Matthew 24. Don't be like the people who were caught in a trap, like the days of Noah. And I'm not going to go through it again. Those people were carrying on. The Bible says they were, they were partying day and night. They were carrying on as working in the fields. They were giving their sons and daughters to be married. Life was just cruising along. And they saw this man building this ark. The signs were there, but they didn't pay attention. But there came a day when it was too late. When that water came up and the door of that ark closed. No one could escape anymore. Then they paid attention. But it was too late. Would you be one who pays attention to when it's too late? Keep on the alert, he says, verse 36. Keep on the alert. And the actual translation here is, stay awake, don't fall asleep. Now, I did much guard duty on my days when I used to do military service. Big old greatcoat on and there you are standing day in, day out, 24-7 doing guard duties. The biggest thing was keeping awake. If there was an enemy in front of me, I might have been more alert. But because you are blasé about the situation, it drags out and you fall asleep on duty. I didn't. But you, are, you have to fight sleep. That's the biggest enemy. Sometimes we like that in our lives, you see. And Jesus says that He's the creator of us. Isn't he? he knows how we put together. He says, keep your, watch on your hearts. Don't be caught like a trap. Stay awake at all times. Those of you who have read little Christian walking on his way to the, to the celestial city. He falls asleep next to the road in this beautiful meadow. Beautiful sunny day. He goes and lies down. He thinks it will just be a short while. And so he says, I'll just take a rest. And before he can find himself, he's fallen asleep. In great danger, because what he thought was just a meadow was a swamp. And it was slowly starting to pull him down. You see, in our lives, the moment you are not awake, you will be pulled down by this life as a believer. We need to stay alert, stay awake, says the Lord. Be about your master's business. The best way to stay awake is to stay active. On guard duty they tell you, don't sit on the chair, walk up and down. You'll stay awake that way. Mostly. We are about to be about our master's business. Matthew 24 speaks about that. We've read that passage. We are to stay awake about our master's business. He speaks about that servant who he appoints. And when he reappears, he wants to find that servant about the business that the master has given him. Not misusing his position, not, not doing his work. Be about your work, he says. How do we stay active as believers? Well, we stay active by feeding our souls, by exercising our souls, right? And how do we exercise our souls? By using our eyes and our hearts and by reading his word. And then we get up and we exercise what we've learnt in practice by the way we live. 
We do it practically. That's why we stay awake before the Lord. Exercise your heart. Apply His Word to your life. Live it out in the society in which you live. Live it out in your family, in your community, at your place of work. That's why you'll stay awake. Because your heart is focused on God's Word. Your heart is focused on the warnings He gives you and the love that He shows you through His Word. How can you be falling asleep if you are constantly in His Word and working on your relationship with the Son of Man? How? Be on alert, con one, for His coming. Don't fall asleep, He says. There's a, the ne- a next thing there. The fifth thing. He says, verse 36, Stay, on the awake, stay awake at all times. How? Praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes praying is the thing that falls me, makes me fall asleep. Yes? He says, no, when you pray, you must be praying. There's the word used there. It's a continual tense form of the word. Be praying. What for? Two things. That you would have the strength to escape, so we'd better pay attention now. Because when he speaks about escape, that means there's danger. Otherwise, why escape? So we need the strength to escape, and the second thing, the strength to stand before the Son of Man. Alright, so what must I escape from? See, we as believers are not promised immunity from the woes of life. And you will know, if you've walked life a little bit, we all go through stuff in life. Various descriptions of it. The waves that come over us. We are not promised immunity from these things. That's why we've got Psalms like Psalm 23, which with verses that say, Though I walk through the, sh- the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear no evil. It's there for a reason. God goes with me through those things. Yes? Many of you can say, I'm into that. He's saying, you need to pray that you will have the strength to escape the woes that will come against you in this lifetime. You will be persecuted for your faith. John 16 verse 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Why? Because in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We either take Jesus at his word or not. Now some of you might have experienced persecution already. Of various kinds. It's what he's warning us here about. And how do we face positions of persecution and times of persecution? We look up, we pray, because we know he is with us. We need the strength to do that. Pray that you will have the strength to escape. Now, speaking to his disciples there, he was speaking to them too of the situation which would come upon them. They were going to have to go through the fall of Jerusalem. They would have to pray that they could escape too. And that they'd have the strength to escape. You know, in these natural disasters, I was listening to a lot of the interviews about Kaikoura. The big thing that comes to these people when everything is done and over and they, sat, they sit there among the rubble is fatigue. They're tired, mentally, spiritually, physically tired. He says the same here. You are going to go through stuff in life. Pray that you will have the strength to escape these things. That you will not sit down. That you will not lie down and die 
pray. And secondly, he says, that you will have the strength to stand before the Son of Man. Now that's kind of a, not a weird thing, but it's kind of different. Why do I need the strength to stand before the Son of Man? And here I want to touch on something Dave said this morning. He spoke about the glory of God. We forget the awesomeness of the Son of Man. One day when we appear before Jesus, it's not going to be, hey bro, we are going to be on our knees, flat on our faces, because we will realize who Jesus Christ is. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you will be flat on your face before the Son of God. He is awesome. He is almighty. We need the strength to be able to stand before the Son of Man. Can we stand before Him in our own strength? No way at all. If I was Spanish, I'd say, no way, Jose. You can't. The only way we can stand before the Son of Man is through the strength of the Son of Man Himself. I can only stand before God one day when He raises me up from lying before Him because of who Jesus is and the strength of who Jesus is in and through me. He will be the one standing up in me and I will be able to stand. No other way. And if you do not have Jesus Christ in you who will stand with you, you will remain prostrate before God. You will not be able to stand that day and you will endure His judgment. These aren't my words. God speaks about that in His Word. Take note. Lertcon 1. It affects every single person here. We will all appear before Him. And He says that those who do not know Him will experience the wrath of God which will come on all the unsaved at the end of history. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 His words, not mine. And so as I close this morning, I want to ask you, which condition best summarizes your life as you sit here this morning? Are you on Lurtcon 1? Are you in a daily living relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you reading His Word? Are you internalizing it? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to use you daily as these things become truth in you? Lurtcon 1. Or maybe you're on Lurtcon 2. One level down. Yeah, you kind of read when you get, when you get the opportunity. And sometimes, or maybe you're on Lurtcon 3. Or maybe this morning you're on Lurtcon 5. I'm just fading into life in New Zealand, just like everyone else around me. Many do that, you know. I come across them every single week. Believers who used to be viable, living, active Christians, being in churches, active in spiritual life. And now, Lurtcon 5. It's sad. It's sad. Or maybe instead of Lurtcon 5, you're just conned. There's no Lurt here. And you've been conned by who? By Satan himself, the prince of darkness. The one who comes anti-God. 
The one who does not want you to see life as it is. The one who thinks you'll be okay if you just follow what you believe now. You don't need Jesus Christ. Just carry on every day. You'll be okay. Can't. No alert at all. I plead with you this morning. Jesus says, come to me and be saved. He will take the sin in you. He will take your condition, whatever that might be, just bring it to Him. doesn't matter what you've done in the past life. Just bring your whole life to Him. Bow before Him, acknowledge Him as the only way you will stand one day when He reappears. He will forgive you. He will give you new life. But if you don't come, you will die as you are. God has promised that. He will fulfill that promise. But His mercy stands before you today. Come, be saved. I can't state it any plainer. I pray that the Holy Spirit would make the seed alive and that the seed that will grow here will be new life. And those of you that are believers, I pray that you will take these lessons to heart. Don't let your hearts be weighed down by the cares of this world, but stay alert and awake. He is coming. He has promised He will and He will fulfill His word. Be about the Master's business until He reappears. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank You for these timely reminders, Lord. And Lord, this picture couldn't be simpler. But many times in those simple pictures, those are the things that are the hardest to apply. Be merciful, I pray, to all of us here. May we, if we are believers, may we hold on to You as You hold us. May we not forget those basics in our Christian lives of our relationship with Jesus Christ daily, of being in Your Word. And Lord, as we stay in Your Word and in that relationship with You, You will use us. That's how You've planned things. Thank You, Lord, that we can be used for the Kingdom. And I pray for some here that still do not know You, Lord. I pray that You will be merciful to them too. May something that's said here from Your Word come alive in their hearts. May Your Holy Spirit draw them to come and know Jesus Christ as their Saviour, the one and only way to the Father. May they come, I pray. Amen.